Forgotten Flicks, episode 111, Interspace, 1987. Well, damn, if we're not balls to the wall with all American hero types here tonight. I see spacewalkers and moonwalkers and Earth orbiters galore. And over here, we have the current cream of the crop, America's best and brightest. It's a good one, eh, boys? Hell, the most excitement I ever have is the time I landed a crippled F-14 with a stubborn nose gear on the deck of a rolling flat top and zero visibility. But you boys, you get to test out these babies. I envy you. Gentlemen, I salute you. Shit, I spilled my drink. One and all, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, the podcast that is keeping the memory of the movies you grew up with and the movies you love alive. I am one part of your hosting duo, the Joel part and the sexy part, the part that gets all the ladies, Jason. Women love me, but you know that. <laughs> oh, you cowboy. I'm you. the cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you crazy cowboy, you. <laughs> yes. Good evening, sir. Yes, How are you? I am fantabulous. And of course, tonight we are talking inner space. Inner space. A Joe Dante joint. And I mean Nothing. that. I meant that as in weed, actually. <laughs> not, not that he was smoking a joint, but. No. Of course, of course not. <laughs> a, a Joe Dante directed film. Film, yes, yes a film. Yes. So I say, what say you that we jump immediately into this with the trailer? Yes, please. Okay. Test pilot Tuck Pendleton wants to make history. Supermarket clerk Jack Putter needs a vacation. Sir, I'm sorry. Jack, you're late. That's not good. You know it's coupon day. Lieutenant Pendleton is about to be miniaturized, placed into this needle, and then injected into this rabbit. Rock and roll. But something went wrong. And Tuck's about to get a new destination. <gasps> Inside Jack Putter. I'm not a man. Hello, can you hear me? I'm possessed! Now, Jack's got twice the problems. How you doing, Jack? But he's double the man. With Tuck on his side. Kick him on couch! In his gut. <laughs> and on his case. You're not gonna back groceries all your life, are you, Jack? And only 24 hours left for Jack to get out of danger. So that Tuck can get out of Jack. <laughs> Dennis Quaid, Martin Short. Give yourself a shot of adventure. Inner space. 
The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at Netflix. Amazon. Streaming. Prime. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Yeah, it's actually Amazon Prime is where I saw it, so... Uh, yeah, so iTunes has it for rent as well. It's not Netflix streaming, but uh, it was at one point, not so much anymore. But you can find it on many of your online rental uh, establishments and yeah. probably at your local video rental store. Oh, of course, that one. <laughs> so do you want to hit us with a synopsis? Yeah, so before we hit the synopsis, this is actually a uh, an interesting episode because... Um, last episode when we talked Remo Williams, we brought this up and it's one of those that's been around for a long time, uh, in yeah, our since, since, since uh, 1987 to be exact, <laughs> but it's been around in our consciousness. We've talked about it before, Yeah, but it's been a long time since we mentioned it. And so last episode, when it came up, we're like, you know what, let's fit this in. We had something else planned for this episode, but. Uh, this was one because it's Joe Dante and it has, uh, Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan, Martin Short. We said, let's just squeeze this in. So that's what she said. Yeah. Um, to me, of course, yes. uh, who, who else did you think? I? <laughs> so, so this is really just the story. It's a small story, a small story, uh, short, <laughs> Get it? short story, Get it? short story. Uh, it's really just a story of Lieutenant Tuck Pendleton, who we understand, as you played in the introduction, is has zero sort defects, of a, sort of a drunkard fallen hero of the Air Force and uh, signs in with a science experiment to be shrunk, to be miniaturized and explore inner space, which is where we get the title. Um, bad guys come in and try and steal the experiment, and as the primary, I guess, researcher tries to escape, he takes the syringe with Tuck contained therein, and as a way to save Tuck, he injects him into Martin Short's character, Jack Putter. Well, specifically into his buttocks. Into his buttocks, uh, into the fat cells of his buttocks. Uh, and Meg Ryan plays Tuck's girlfriend-ish um, throughout, and he tries Conven to— His convenient plot device. Right, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and so Martin Short is the character throughout who Tuck is inside of him and— <laughs> That's got so much potential. <laughs> communicates via uh, optical nerve— connection which apparently hurts but the auditory nerve is very passive and non-painful um, yeah because you know i would imagine all the nerves in and around your ear would be painless i mean if you jam a pencil into your eardrum it doesn't hurt well i know crayons don't hurt so huh. just you know there, there's don't, that don't try this at home <laughs> no please don't um so and anyway so that's and bad guys try and get the ship and lieutenant tuck pendleton out of martin short throughout um, but that's really the primary story is Dennis Quaid, Martin Short's interplay as Dennis Quaid's ship is inside of his body, a la, um, is it fan, um, Incredible Journey? Uh, Fantastic Voyage. Fantastic. Well, the, Fantastic. The, the Incredible Journey would be even better because that involves animals. 
Oh, right. Was, that's the dog. There were animals yeah. Yeah. going going inside and out of Tuck. <laughs> no, um, no. That would have been a fantastic voyage. movie. Yeah, fantastic voyage. So it is. Uh, it is similar to that style in that he goes through his arteries and he goes in his lungs and he uh, travels through uh, different parts of his body and has things happen. At some point, does, does he travel up or down his urethra? Um. He may or may not have been there at one point, because as we will talk about, I'm sure in a moment, uh, he does somehow magically appear in his mouth when he's kissing Meg Ryan. So, so are you implying autophilation? What? <laughs> we don't know is all I'm saying. We, we don't judge on the Forgotten Ways podcast. Don't judge. No. So, um, so that's pretty much the big, the big plot piece is Dennis Quaid shrunken inside Martin Short. There's no way to say that without it sounding bad. So. Well, well, or good, you know, <laughs> or good. again, we don't judge. And <laughs> I would like to point out that one of the top reasons why I am excited to, to cover this movie is because of all the opportunities to talk about Dennis Quaid inside of Martin Short. <laughs> I really honestly, I've got notes here. And, and that and I didn't that, even think of that. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Now I can't look at any of my notes without. <laughs> well, and, and and the point should be made. The, the climax of the movie involves Tuck needing to be removed because otherwise he's going to grow so large inside of Martin Short, he will explode. <laughs> I even had a note: Martin Short stands on heads. <laughs> Dennis Quaid gets upset. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> He doesn't like that. <laughs> yes. So do you uh, recall when you first saw this motion picture? Um, actually, I remember going to the theater to see this one. This is one of the uh, the rare few that we went to see. Um, you and I talked about this beforehand, that Martin Short was, I would say, at the peak of his popularity in, in the late 80s. Because um, he was in SNL in the 80s, right? In the mid to late 80s. Uh, well, he was on SCTV back in the day, day with Ed Grimley, right? The whole that was that was yeah, that was you might wait, say. I think that was early eighties, yeah, late seventies, so. early eighties ish, in that ballpark, early, right. early eighties, yeah. And then <clears throat> he was he on Saturday Night Live? I don't recall if he was or not. I know he was SCTV. I just don't. I know he did bits because I know Ed Grimley appeared on Saturday Night Live, but was that because he hosted it or was that because he actually had was uh, a? I mean, I, 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 I defer because I. I obsess. I watched a lot of the early '80s Saturday Night Live. Later, like I'd get like the Eddie Murphy compilation tape yeah, that had all yeah. of his bits on it. But I like my era of Saturday Night Live was the really late '80s, like the Dana Carvey, 90s, Phil Hartman, yeah. yeah, that era. So I, I I know '85 is often looked at as the worst by a lot of people because that's when actually Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Denny Jr., Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, they were all on there. But a lot of people look at it being some amongst the worst of what, it, you know, other than today, yeah. other than yeah. today, other than today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the classic era of Saturday Night Live, so I don't know, he may have been on in the mid, mid-80s if he was. This is, that's true, but he had his SCTV run, which we talked about. Yeah. He's Canadian. He's a Canadian actor. And, oh, uh, oh, you have to throw that out there, right? <laughs> I, like that Like that somehow defines him. It does. It actually gives him some better chops because he was on there Probably. with John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Eugene Levy. It was the great Rick Andrea Martin. 
Dave Thomas, uh, which I love we love his hamburgers, by the way. <laughs> when we did the Strange Brew episode, we kind of went into that, went into that a little, but um, but he also that's it's this, this is right after he did Three Amigos, and uh, he had the End Grimly series, so this was really in his heyday. And I remember my family being big fans of his. So when this came out, uh, my uncle and I actually went out to see this in our local Cineplex Odeon, which was a little, I guess, six or eight screen theater not far from us that uh, we mostly went to see in the mid to late 80s uh, when stuff came out. I saw Running Man there. Oh, okay. So that's, that's also when I had my first espresso. Which oh, yeah. That was not good. <laughs> My boy <laughs> always remembers his first espresso. So, but I saw in the theaters, and then of course I remember seeing it on uh, um, cable afterwards. So probably HBO, Cinemax, the replays of it um, after that. But I do remember actually going to the theaters to see it. Did you see this when it was uh, first uh, out? Well, or? I must interject. Uh, alert! Forgotten flicks alert. Turns out you were correct, sir. He was on Saturday Night Live from 1984 to 1985, and is credited according to some of the producers with helping to revive Saturday Night Live, because I guess it began, it began to lag in its fan yeah. base at that time. So, ah. so he was on there. He was on there in the, the mid eighties. And, Excellent. and, uh, it, as it turns out, there is apparently this whole way you can find information when you don't know the answer <laughs> to something. Now it's called an Encyclopedia Britannica set. Thank God I have one at home. So anyway. Oh, my God. My 1982 set is ready. Well, your 82 would not be any good because he was on from 84 to 85. Luckily, I oh. had the 86 to 87 set, which had inner space information in it. So, mm. Mm. so <laughs> yes, I love my 86 to 87 set had information about a movie that came out in 87. I don't think that quite would work. Not Whatever. Quite. So I do not recall seeing this at the theater. In fact, I know I didn't. I'm assuming this is this is one of those new releases at the armchair theater video rental store down the road uh, from my grandmother's home. So I would go stay with my dad and because, you know, I'm I'm as my grandmother would call my sister and I, we were suitcase kids. <sighs> Our parents, See, I, was, I was a latchkey kid. You were, so. I, I was that, too. When you come home from school and no but one's can you home. Imagine being a suitcase latchkey kid oh i'm so sorry i know it was so hard it was almost like we were the only kids in the 80s whose parents got divorced in fact <laughs> actually you may be the only kid from the 80s whose parents stayed married now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> according to the movies we watch because i'm pretty sure that every parent set of parents got divorced in the 80s at least that's the impression i was under so yeah we were suitcase kids and i would go stay with my daddy every other weekend <sighs> <sighs> Which actually really did suck because he would let me watch anything I wanted. And then I'd feel really guilty because my mom would guilt me into, so, what'd you do with your dad's? What'd you watch? Uh, what did he let you no, do? No, no, she would never just come out and say, what did you watch? It was, so, how, how'd everything go with your dad? Oh, great, yeah. What'd you guys do? Oh, you know, we uh, we played with our friends and uh, <laughs> we watched some movies. Oh, really? What, what movies do you guys watch? Um, you know, just the movies like um, Offbeat. Starring Judge Reinhold, um, uh, one crazy summer, yeah, um, and uh, uh, Reanimator, and uh, yeah. So, and that would be when she would 
Oh, really? Hmm. I'll be right back. And I don't, I don't know how to make the sound of a rotary phone, but it's going to take a while, kids. So anyway, go through all seven numbers. Well, actually 10, because even at that point you had to do the area code. And then she calls and rips my dad a new one. Cut to two weekends later, get in the car with dad, picks you up from school. Why'd you tell her? Nope. No, wait, wait for it. So, Joel, <laughs> did you need to tell your mother again about, I mean, do you not want me to get you these movies? <laughs> no, dad, I'm sorry. I'm, I won't do it again. Cut to Sunday night. So how did it go with your dad? And wash, rinse, repeat. So, so yeah. wait, how, how old were you <laughs> around that time when that was at its peak? Uh, probably everywhere from like nine through 12, 13 ish. Cause by then, <laughs> because by then she actually just sent me to go live with him. <laughs> I was in eighth grade. So I guess she just got tired of it. He's like, fine, destroy his mind. Let you be your problem. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I want to say interspace would have been a video rental and also, also known, um, as dad's resident babysitter. And <laughs> I, I, you know, what's funny is I don't really remember watching it though. Like I remember it very well. I know I saw it, but yeah. I don't like have a record. A lot of movies. I remember the first time I saw them. I remember going to theater to see gremlins. I remember renting certain horror movies for the first time. Right. But I don't remember renting or when I saw inner space, but presumably in my mind, it would have been from that, that time period. And I remember really liking it. I mm-hmm. think even then, because I was familiar with Spielberg, so by knowing that he had produced it, right? But I don't necessarily think I would have known at that point that Joe Dante had done Gremlins. Like I wasn't quite film savvy enough to at a, ten or eleven years old, whatever it was, to mm-hmm. put those two pieces together. But I do remember really, really digging it. And for me personally, I think again at the time I wasn't aware of how much I would enjoy it, but. I believe that was the movie that introduced me to the music of the wonderful <laughs> Sam Cooke. Yeah. Because that is the song that apparently all you have to do is play it and Meg Ryan just slides right off the pleather couch. So <laughs> this this would be the song. It's also the song that you want to play inside your girlfriend's uterus to deafen yourself. Cupid, draw back your bow. I'm just going to let this play for two and a half minutes. <laughs> Slide on. That's right. <laughs> and of course, are you familiar with other music from Sam Cooke? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite songs. And and those of you out there that are only into, you know, the really crazy, crazy uh, music like uh, Bjork or uh, Backstreet Boys, because <laughs> that's crazy. Don't judge that's... me, <laughs> because I friggin' love Sam Cooke. I love that style of music and like this song, oh, darling. Great song, and oh, yeah. of, his voice was just like friggin' butter. Amazing yeah. guy. So yeah, so Interspace, the the really uh-huh. long way around the answer to your question is, yeah, I think I rented it. But when's the last time you remember watching it? Ten-ish years ago, maybe? Yeah, Eight. it's been at least that, maybe more uh, for me. Yeah. Probably more, because I'm thinking it's been... Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe 12 or 15 years. Okay, okay. 
Somewhere so around that. I say we just jump right into it. What was your response? Like, I'm assuming as a kid, you loved it. As a kid, I loved it. Um, I remember liking it. I don't remember it being one of my favorite movies. But then when we brought it up, or at least when I looked it up for uh, my pick, I thought, gosh, I remember that being a, a, a good movie, or at least I remember liking it. But then I haven't seen it in a really long time. And it's sort Did of been- Did you say a really wheel, a long time? <laughs> a really, a re- sorry, Skype, really, <laughs> really long time. I was going to say a really long time is, <laughs> is much more significant than even a really, really long oh. time. I haven't seen it in a while. And so uh, I remember thinking, why is that? Is that because it was a awful movie and it hasn't played on any uh, movie replay channels or it's not on Netflix? Is there some reason that it was swept under the rug? Is this something that was sort of hidden because it wasn't good and my childhood memory is just a fallacy and I'm actually living in C&D with this? But uh, so I went into it very open. For the fact that I might dislike it. Okay. Um, I really liked it. I couldn't find a lot of fault other than there were a couple of plot holes that were, you know, kind of science related stuff that, <laughs> all right, <you> think? <laughs> I get why they kind of pushed that forward and there isn't a lot of actual science involved in this. And there are a couple of things that didn't jive, but Dennis Quaid Martin Short and Meg Ryan as the three primaries. They did great. Yeah, the acting, and, the acting. Yeah, you can't come. Although, is it me or was Kurt Russell in certain moments reminiscent of? Did I say Kurt Russell? Sorry, Freudian slip. Because oh, what I was going to say, wait, wait. <laughs> Dennis Quaid was reminiscent of Kurt Russell, specifically <laughs> yeah. in Big Trouble in Little China. Like there were moments where they were doing like this John Wayne kind of tonal yeah. quality to his to his speech that. It just reminded, he almost seemed to, it was like a mix of Kurt Russell and Michael Keaton at his wackiest. Uh, what was the one where he did, where he was, um, Michael Keaton did, where he was triplets or he cloned oh, uh, himself? Multiplicity. Multiplicity, yes. That is the Michael Keaton-ish uh, that I would Yeah, I was going to say, or, or, or his obviously Beetlejuice where he just, you know, was completely over the top or his, oh, yeah, cow- yeah. was it the, uh, the Dream Team where he... The psych, you remember the uh, psych patients that end up on the lamb with Christopher Lloyd and yeah. uh, Peter Boyle. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yes. I, or okay, so he did or great. Gung Ho or Gung Ho. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or Mr. Mom. <laughs> yes. Uh, or, that was one of his. Or, or the big squeeze. Or maybe, maybe Robocop. Ah, uh, the remake, perhaps. Uh-huh. Or. Clean and sober? Uh, probably not that one. Actually, that was kind of depressing. Or he was dying. Yeah. And he did the, uh, oh, oh yeah, my life, my life, yeah, my, my life. life. Yes, that oh, one for God. sure. That one for sure. That was hilarious. Bald at that movie. Oh, that was were, awful. By bald, you mean laughed? <laughs> yes. The comment. I cracked up until I cried. Yeah. Especially the part where he like the kid and he dies in the videos. Oh my god, I love that. And the that. kids watching it. Oh, you're like, oh god, yeah, that's oh, that's sad. Oh, Michael Keaton, you wacky do. And then uh, let's see what else. Uh, clean and sober. Oh wait, again. No, I already said clean and sober, didn't I? Uh, well, one one good cop. That was the one I was thinking of. Yes. Oh no, again, not very funny. I don't remember that one. One good cop. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah, one good cop. Mm. Pacific Heights. I'm just going to spend the rest of the episode going through Michael the, Keaton the Michael Keaton filmography that has nothing to do with interspace whatsoever. <laughs> no, so I'm going to I'm going to point out a few things that I was 
pleasantly surprised by because okay. you pointed this out before uh, that the movies that you love covering are the ones that sort of shock you in what you in like. Submission, yes. Yes. So the things that you go into thinking, uh, this is not going to be good. I know I'm not going to like this, but you watch it and you think, wow, that, that was really not what I expected. So a couple things that uh, we mentioned the acting, the, the actors are top caliber, but top caliber, but not only that, they did a great job. I think with the characters they were supposed to play, um, Kevin McCarthy plays the bad guy. One of the surprising ones, as I gave the line from the beginning was, uh, uh the cowboy, yeah. Which is supposed to be, I guess, an international technology dealer, kind of black market, um, dealing with theft and uh, big espionage type technologies yes. that are, are moved around the world. So that was played by Robert Picardo, mm -hmm. which I didn't even realize until afterwards. Really? I didn't even think about it. I'm like, he looks familiar, but he's he actually has a short part as the character. And then, of course, Martin Short um, his face is reconfigured to look like the cowboy, which I want to talk about in a minute. Um, but it's Martin Short's voice, and then it's sort of Robert Picardo's voice. But he plays this really weird, over-the-top, I'm going to say, pseudo-Middle Eastern, pseudo-European. Yeah, I never quite got what yeah. nationality he was supposed to be. And we kind of had this nondescript foreign accent uh, as many Americans are want to do. And he played this weird Afro guy with, yeah, it, was really bizarre. it was weird, but he, he, but he did a great job at him. Like his acting was actually really good. But the biggest thing that, that surprised me was the effects in this movie. So if you think about, if you, if you watch the scenes where he's going through Dennis Quaid is in his little ship and he is injected into <laughs> Jack putter and he starts traveling through his blood vessels at first and he well at first he's in his buttocks so you see his giant so so, so, so hold on hold on hold on let me just make sure i understand where you're at here jack putter jack putter gets slides into his ship <laughs> and is then inserted into jack putter's buttocks no no tuck is inserted into his ship and tuck's ship is inserted into putter's buttocks got it Right. And, and then in the mall. while he's in, in the mall, actually uh, in the mall and then Putter goes to the doctor and said, my buttocks hurts, hmm. as does now my eye and my head. Well, 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 to be fair, to be to be fair, Tuck did warn him with this one. How does that feel? <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> yeah, that little slapping sound. That was Jack's ass. <laughs> None of this movie seems sexual to me until today. <laughs> I don't understand how that could be the case, Jason. I, uh... <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but when he's traveling through his blood vessels, the blood vessels that are coming at the camera, which is the front of his ship, the, the glass viewing area. It's called it, a windshield. <laughs> well, it wasn't really a windshield. It was kind of like high angle up by the portal. I guess, anyway, I guess you're right. Yeah, right. It was, yeah. it was up, it was up near Jack's portal, <laughs> but, but it was really good. It looked, it, it was all practical effects. And that whole, uh, scene of him traveling through the blood vessel and the laser cutting through his vein and he exits and the big scenery and his heart and all of that, it looked pretty good. And, and not only that, um, the really odd 
WTF scene where Tuck decides he can change Jack's face. To be fair, it was foreshadowed when he talks to Ozzy at the beginning. Remember, he says the thing about the neurostimulating something or other. Uh, the facial yeah, so they does that mean he could have changed the rabbit into, I don't know, a gopher? Does that mean it could have made the rabbit awesome. look like a rat? I, or I oh, we're going to test you going inside of a rabbit and then going up to its face and making it look like, what, Jimmy Durante? I mean, what was the point? <laughs> ha, cha, 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 cha. <laughs> right? Bugs that that would have been awesome. But I mean, that, that was definitely a oddity like why it was purely that so that three-fourths the, into the movie when they need to have a character look like another character <laughs> they've at least established that it's possible i guess um that was weird but his the scene where where they actually make it occur where martin short's face kind of goes back and forth he does a you know yeah very looney tunes yeah uh his face you can tell that there are air bladders in uh, I'm assuming that at least the scene where he changes back is not his actual face because it looks like it is a uh, dummy head with mm-hmm. air bladders in his cheeks and his forehead that expand and contract as it's spinning back and forth. Um, but those, even those, the practical effects in that, I thought were far better than I expected them to be going into the movie. Yeah, I will. I will concur a hundred percent that the thing I, that my biggest takeaway from this movie that I was impressed with was the effects that they they held up really really well across the board i can't think of anything that i went eh looks eh." i mean even probably the only the old maybe the only one that was a little bit that just didn't quite work i thought was the semi miniaturization uh, of kevin mccarthy and i'm brain farting on the woman's name but the scientists all right yeah and when they're grabbing doctor yeah and i mean it wasn't complete like them being small looked fine but when he's grabbing onto Jack Putter's face and the arms it looked very like the fingers didn't move or it, it was very well, they were like they were doll hands they were totally yeah, doll hands yeah no. but that but, was the uh, only one but even that when they showed the scene where um, uh, Meg Ryan and and uh, Mark Shorter in the driving driver seat and passenger seat and then in the back they showed the half sized bad yeah, guy yeah uh, that split screen was pretty good you didn't see a weird line it didn't feel odd yeah. you could tell it was a little awkward though when. You had um, Kevin McCarthy's character down on Jack's leg, biting his thigh as he was wrestling him. Well, in Jack the- is getting it from every angle, isn't he? It's a hell of a weekend for Jack. Jack Putter. Yeah. yeah so, so I, I well, a couple key points there. I think one, the visual effects worked really well because uh, I know at least one person involved in this was Dennis Murin. And if that name rings a bell, it's because he was involved with all the Star Wars movies and is a grand wizard of science fiction special effects in the modern era. And and I believe didn't uh, who else was it? um, uh, Why did I want to think Rob Bottin worked on this? Did Rob Bottin work on this? I didn't see his name. I, I looked uh, and maybe tried something to... else. I was looking up and I his I came across his name within the context of this, and that's why I thought that. But. Yeah. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, I don't think it was Robotine. No, I don't think so. But I, I, I can't say for sure. I, I tried to look up to see if there were any special effects folks that uh, I recognized. I'm not the authority on it, so none of them jumped out at me from what we've no, talked about. No, I don't think so. I think uh, 
uh, for some reason. It must have been when I was maybe looking up pics and things. I came across something that he did, and I was like, oh, he did that? Oh, you know, and that made me want to use it. Oh, no, I, I stand corrected. Rob Boutine, special makeup effects designer and creator. Never mind. I stand corrected against my correction. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. So the no, caliber of people behind the scenes on this sucker? Yeah. Substantial. So so the other thing that, that stunned me was uh, the number of people, number of actors or actresses yeah. that cameoed or at least played in this that we've talked about or covered or uh-huh. were big after this or significantly before this. Well, and I would like to say right off the bat, one of my all-time favorite character actors that blessed Joe Dante, he's used him in virtually every single movie. <laughs> y- you know who I'm talking about, right? Vernon Wells? Uh, uh, nope. No. Um, Henry Gibson? Because I want to talk about him. No, no, no. Mark Taylor? Nope. 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 Uh, no. Go ahead. Who, who? I'll give you a hint. A lot. I'll give you a hint. WWII. Oh, that's right. Dick Miller. Yes. I Yes, I remember. He was the cab driver sort mm-hmm. of at the part where uh, Dennis Quaid was was. Coming out of his, well, it's actually Meg Ryan was leaving his apartment. Dick Miller's honking the horn as a cabbie is wont to do. And that's when Dennis Quaid's character comes out and says, no, honey, don't leave. You just slept with me. Don't you want to be my girlfriend now? And she's like, no, I don't want anything other than this. And yeah. Yep. It it wasn't a big part, but he was in it. And that makes me happy. (laughs) It was. Um, But there were some other people in it that were really big. Henry Gibson was the manager of... The yep. grocery store, I guess, Save Safeway or Saveway or whatever that uh, Martin Short's character, um, Jack Putter, worked at. Do you recall what he is most famous for? Oh, most famous for? He looks familiar to me. Did he play a German, like a Nazi or something, but it was a comedy? Mm, he may have. That's not what I remembered him from. Um, I remembered him just for his voice. Yeah, hit me. I don't know. He was in Charlotte's Web. Oh. He was actually Wilbur. Oh, was he really? Yeah, I would was, never have gotten that in a million years. Yeah, he was. He was the voice of. Uh, he was the voice of Wilbur um, because when he does the at the very end when they're doing the little finale scene of of um, spoiler alert Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan driving off in their limo and they have the three different characters from Jack's life say, "Oh, I think we should start dating." Oh, have I did? And then the um, uh, his manager says, we could really use you back at the store. Yeah. That's the point at which his voice clicked for me. And like, that's Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I, I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot more. There was not just him. You, you already mentioned Kevin McCarthy. Yep. Um, who was in it. And then um, Kathleen Freeman uh-huh. who played the scary redhead lady. Uh, she She's been around in Hollywood for a long time. Well, was she passed away uh, uh, two thousand one? I think yep. is yep. Uh, when she left. But she she was in a lot of movies. She was in Naked Gun, um, thirty three and a third because that's the one I went and saw in the theaters. <clears throat> I've seen them all in the theater. Uh, I saw one, Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Duh in did, the theaters I, as well. I did as well, my friend. So do not feel bad. But here's the uh, thing. The worst amongst those movies, like the Naked Gun 33 and a third, which was god awful, is still a thousand gajillion bazillion percent better than any of these godforsaken 
epic movie date move. Like we're the ones where they're trying too effing hard. Have you watched uh, any of those? No, I, I, they're unwatchable. I they are literally un. if you're out there and seriously, if you're out there right now, listening to, the, to my voice and you thought those <laughs> movies were funny, please just turn this off and, and go away. I, I God bless you. Have a great day. Godspeed, whatever. I'm <laughs> really? simply yeah, because to me, you can't have a sense of humor and think those movies are funny. You mm. can't. It's it's literally doesn't work because everything I've ever said that could be construed as negative about the Siffy movies and how some of them are crass in their attempt to be B movies. Yeah. Take that level of crassness and apply it to a parody, it's like they're trying, they're so, yeah. it's like they, they completely miss that the the reason why movies like Naked Gun or Airplane, the reason why they work is because none of the characters are aware that they're in this goofy-ass movie. And yeah. they play it completely straight, <laughs> no matter how wacky things get. And the, it, there's a, it's such a hard, it's one of those things that like, parody and satire is so hard to pull off effectively. So even ones that are kind of eh, like a Nicky gun, uh, two and a half was meh, is all right. Yeah. Had some moments, but they still play it straight yeah, and but, it still comes out better. Yeah. But disaster yeah. movie and all the, they, they, they're just like vignettes. They're, they're like, they don't even, the story just, it just, it's, they're horrible. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rant. I just, they, they piss me off anyway. So, so Yes. <clears throat> so anyway, movies, yes. uh, she was in those. She's been in plenty of other movies uh, before that. So a couple of people, Orson Bean, uh, he played um, um, in inner space, inner space. Uh, he was the guy who played uh, um, her editor, like the guy at the newspaper yeah. who was telling her she needs to get her story and all this. He was the voice of Bilbo Baggins in the original animated version wow. of The Hobbit. You're pick, you're picking out some uh, pretty impressive <laughs> trivia bites here because I would again never have guessed that. Um, Kenneth Toby, who played oh, yeah, that one, uh, I knew. Yeah, the guy in the restroom who says, uh, "Play with it, son, but don't talk to it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As Martin Short's uh, taking a leak, uh, he was in Airplane. Well, well, even more importantly, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm checking just to verify that I'm not, but uh, the thing from another world, the original. Yep. Oh, yeah, from 1951. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yep. absolutely. Yeah, he's been in, I mean, all of these Well, I think the reason, why, the reason why Joe Dante's used him and other guys, I think, is because these are guys that were in movies that he grew up with and loved and were from his yeah. formative years, yeah. Yeah, so um, he, he was a big one. Um, and then another one was, this is really way out there, but one of the old guys in the supermarket yeah. was actually Chuck Jones. I, I know, I caught that in the credits. That's the cool. Chuck Jones yeah. from all of the uh, uh, um, Bugs Bunny yep, yep. and uh, all of Loaded that Roger Rabbit he did. Well, so. well, well, and what's interesting is I don't know if you know any you know, enough about Joe Dante's film upbringing, but mm -hmm. Looney Tunes is a huge, huge, huge influence on him. Hence why, yeah. Well, and, and if you think, okay, so the rabbit's name was Bugs, right? Like oh you, yeah. Like yeah. you said, the whole sequence of Martin Short's face had a very Looney Tunes quality to it. Yep. yep. If, if you go back to Gremlins, there are oh, yeah, moments where they even use sound effects that are like the Looney Tunes. Yeah. And several of his movies have that quality to them. Like and, the, and, um, the steam whistle sound. Yes, in, uh, exactly. Yep. And, yep. and, uh, space, yeah, the movie space jam, he actually directed. Remember the one Chuck Michael Jones directed no, no, it or no, 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 Joe Dante, Dante. did Joe okay, Dante. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So That's Chuck right. Jones is a huge influence on him. So again, the hence why Dante would have put him in the movie. So I, I, I as a kid, never would have caught any of that. But I love that you can knowing these things about Dante and you could find all those little like, oh, they named him Bugs. And, you know, they're, oh, there's yeah, Chuck Jones. I make connection. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bunch. So this is one of those fun ones that uh, you, you watch it and you can really pick out even people in the background. Did who you are, catch uh, who was in the office, the doctor's office waiting with Martin Short? Oh, gosh, yeah, that was Joe Flaherty. It was the guy from um, uh, SCTV with him. Yep, and the um, woman. The, the woman? Yeah, the woman that was sitting on the other side of him. Mm. For those of you blink, you miss her kind of things. I don't remember. I remember writing, I wrote Joe Flaherty's name yep. down because I saw him in it. But She no. had, I think, one line, if that. It was Andrea Martin from SCTV. My, oh. My Big Fat Greek Wedding and all that, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes, she's the one that says... I have a lump in my neck. Yes. And, yes. 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 That was I remember. Her. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! I didn't even notice it was her. I didn't even pay attention. Yeah. Well, it was very. She. I. I think she had a line, and it was. It was quick. So. Mm. And I think the only reason I noticed her is because he drew. Because I recognize Flaherty, and so normally that's one of those scenes that goes by so quick that you wouldn't pay attention to those kind of details. But yeah. Yeah. So I guess really what it comes down to, Jason, I know you said you really enjoyed it, <laughs> but was there anything that didn't work for you? Um, the only things that I, I noticed and I tried not to dwell on them too much was, uh, the science aspect of it. So the idea that they had to have two chips to grow and shrink and okay scientific fact (laughs) so why did they need two different chips did they only program one to grow and one to shrink and if that's the case why because they knew one was going to be shrunk inside of a person why didn't they have a duplicate so that didn't make sense the other issue was why did Dennis Quaid's character Tuck have to spin and be in this giant centrifuge? But when they shrunk down the bad guy, by the way, he was Vernon Wells, who also played the bad guy in Commando. Yep, he was that really bad Australian accent guy. Well, yeah, funny, he, to me, he looked totally different. He yeah, does. he did. He, he yeah, kind of. And this is only a couple years. This is only a couple years later. So, and he had the um, prosthetic hand, which I guess can turn into any kind of super weapon, but <laughs> um, including the, uh, the the tooth chipper, <laughs> <laughs> and the blowtorch or the butane torch or whatever it was they were gonna yeah. burn Martin Short with. But um, so when his character got inside his ship to be shrunk down and put inside Martin Short, all they had to do was put him inside like a chamber and flashing lights it was completely different so the physics made no sense i can, I can explain it i could totally explain it all right please try what okay once <laughs> dennis quaid's character had gone through that whole messy process mm-hmm. it had set something That's in motion it was almost like uh the whole system needed that initial energetic charge and that's what caused all the wackiness to uh, ensue with his ship you see and so then oh Oh. for future people to be shrunk down it's like well it's already it's almost like the whole thing is already warmed up like that whole thing that you saw dennis quaid go through was like it was warming up once the thing's rolling as long as you don't turn it off okay but they weren't in the same place oh okay well wait wait, wait, wait. i I gotta answer that 
And then they had a garage door opener mm-hmm. and a garage door that seemed to go over their chamber, which was in the ground like a hot tub. Well, kind well, thing yeah, with because it actually, it, actually, it actually the great thing about this particular scientific experiment is it actually can be used as a hot tub on the weekends. So. All right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so really what it, what it was is actually was also the, one of the first mobile mobile uh, uh, shrinking devices ever created. And that is why they were able to transport it. Now it was never turned off. Therefore it was warmed up. Thus no one had to spin, but it was still there when he came back. Ah, yes, it was because it's mobile. So they brought it back. They brought it back. Yeah. I'm totally reaching. I have no idea. You're trying hard. I tried anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, the science is kind of a joke, but then again, we're talking about a movie that about a guy that gets shrunk down to the size of a, yeah, but that's been a that's been a topic of sci-fi movies for a long time. I mean, that's a that's something that I, I I almost feel like this is something that hadn't been done in a while, several decades. It really hadn't. I mean, it, we talked about the Incredible Shrinking Woman. I mean, that was sort of, but they didn't get to that level. Yeah, the Voy- uh Fantastic Voyage was what late seventies, mid seventies, somewhere uh, in there. 70, maybe it was seventy seven. I don't remember, but. Yeah, it, so but I don't remember in my at least in my childhood a really shrunk movie where they're inside the human body type of thing uh, other than Fantastic Voyage which I remember I watching. Can, I could think I, of several movies that involve shrinkage and being inside human bodies. <laughs> Are we talking about something different? Was Ron Jeremy in any of those? <laughs> Jenna Jameson maybe? No. I don't, I don't, no. That was before her time? Yeah, well, possibly. Maybe. I said I said shrinkage. <laughs> So, ultimately, then, other than your problems with the, and I'm using quote fingers here, science, science yes, <laughs> of the of the movie, well, <laughs> where do you fall down uh, on this particular movie? Where do where do you come down? Where do you? So are we are we getting into our rating here? Are we I actually? Think, I think it's that time. I think it's time for About us to. Time? I think it's time for us to bring out the ratings. And I, I'd like to point out to the audience, as you notice, I have not. You said, haven't said, said you nary yep. a word. I really played my yep. cards close to the vest on this one. You've done well. I, you. I've let you. I've let you kind of pull it out of me. Put, pull it out of my putter. Put, yep. Putter. Yeah. Yes. Putter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm gonna have to go with. I thought about this as I watched it, and then uh, I even the next day I'm thinking, all right, what am I gonna? What am I gonna say? What What am I gonna give this? Because I probably actually rented this on VHS. Uh, from a, a, a blockbuster type facility or a Hollywood movies. Um, I would have actually kept this for an extra day. So I'm going to give it a solid three. Okay. I probably watched it again. Now uh, I know you're saying, are you basing this on when you were a kid or now? No, right now. Hmm. Uh, I, I was surprised at how well it held up. I was surprised at how well the acting so was. A I was three or a four. I th- I'm going to say three. See, because three, to me, next- three to me is you kept it out for the full time. That doesn't necessarily mean that you had to keep it. Four is definitely no, extra I, days. I would think, no, one is you take it back. The day you got it, you started watching. You're like, you, God, yeah, you, you got 10 minutes back. in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You, you took it back that night. You, you drove back Two is you turn it back in the next day. You're but, like, but, it may yeah, not have been, but it may not have been due the next day. No. Right. So I'm going to keep it out for its full due. I'm going to okay. keep it out for okay. it's two days. Uh, at least for its full extent. So I'm going to give it a solid okay. three. Yeah, Four is like you're willing to play, pay late fees on it. 
Yes. Okay. And then five is you're keeping it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is a three. I would keep it for the full rental. Um, I was surprised. I really did expect this to be CND, uh, just for its, its wackiness factor. Yeah. I didn't, anything it would hold up. I was, I was expecting it to be kind of corny and, but it really did. Martin short, I, he did a great job in this. I, I, I laughed at many points at his kind of slapstick comedy and, um, but uh, I, I liked it and I'm not apologetic. No, you, about should, it. you should not be. I support it. I, I commend you. <laughs> I, I, nay, I, I champion your three on this movie. Really? Even, even if I don't agree with it. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Here, here's the thing. And I, I'm going to be full disclosure. Jason already knows this. There was a mitigating factor in my watching of this movie. I spent most of the day at Walt Disney World, specifically the Magic Kingdom, as I learned. Because Walt Disney World, when I was a child, was just the Magic Kingdom. Now, Magic Kingdom is you have to be specific and say that. Otherwise, people like Jason look at you and go, which park? There's four parks, 17 Yeah, resorts, I know. But dude, I'm old, too. Parks, man, downtown. I'm old. When you were a kid, when people said Disney, where were you going? Yep. Now, that was it. Because because you never no one ever said Disney and meant Epcot. They would say Epcot. And those are the only right. two parks. Yep. Okay. Just making sure it wasn't just me. So yeah, nope. so anyway, for the first time, my sister was kind enough to buy my children uh tickets to go, because uh, that ain't cheap. And yeah. so we went, spent several hours. It was fun. My six and seven year old, I am proud to say, did both Thunder Mountain and Space Mountain. Uh and the Haunted Mansion. And Haunted Mansion. I'm impressed with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they held it together. It was good. It was all good. So, although a little disappointed at the end, the part where the ghost supposed to be in the, the bucket with you never showed up. Yeah. It was broken. Really? Yeah. Really kind of annoyed me. I was really sad. I was like, oh, because oh, that is one of my earliest, I could still remember being five years old and seeing, freaking uh -huh. out because I was in the car with, and like my mom turned into a ghost. <laughs> And then she said, you see, when you watch those movies, yeah, this is what happens. This is what happens. <laughs> I don't know why I'm warped. So, <laughs> yes. So you spent all day. Now yes. you went out like crack of dawn. Yes, you started we got early. There right. Literally, we were there before it opened. And, we <laughs> and stayed. then you tried to come home and watch this. Well, yes. But we came home. We were home like at 4.30ish, right? It wasn't super late. And then I watched it around 7. Here's the thing. <clears throat> As How one many times did you fall asleep? As one with clinical uh, introversion, <laughs> meaning if I'm in large crowds of people, it doesn't take very long before I'm an exhausted mofo. And mm -hmm. I would just say that I was an exhausted mofo. And then I made the double mistake of watching this while laying in bed with all lights off, <laughs> propped up on pillows. <laughs> thinking, oh, I'll be fine. Uh, no problem. I never actually fell asleep, but I did many head nods. Head bobs, as it were, and <laughs> and several of those like oh oh crap did I miss oh oh so <laughs> I don't think it's completely fair to judge the movie and my reaction to it because I I don't know that it's almost like my reaction is I don't know if you recall but when we saw Gremlins yeah <laughs> I had such a profound love of Gremlins as a kid and even into my young adulthood and I don't know if it was just the timing when we watched it again it just didn't. <laughs> quite click for me the same way i still loved it yeah. i still liked it but yet couldn't find any giant flaws or anything no, that was yet like it was just something off it. like it was just something yeah. they couldn't quite and that's how i felt about this one like i i the facts i was actually that was one thing i kept like wow these really freaking hold up this is impressive everybody's good <coughs> i i really felt like meg ryan was wasted her character was just 
a waste. It was a default. Yeah, it was just they, the they, writing. They definitely didn't play. Yeah, they didn't play her out enough and yeah. her enough of a part of the storyline. Yeah, uh, especially for the fact that she was supposed to be like a, a investigative reporter and she could have done so much more. But yeah, just, I don't blame it, that on her. It no. was more the yeah, yeah, and and Jeffrey Bohm, the guy who wrote this movie, actually he passed away in the nineties, yeah. but he wrote Lethal Weapon two and three. He wrote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So. Yeah, Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he definitely did some movies that I really love, and I, uh, I could put it. It was like this movie to me <laughs> is on par with a Gremlins or Clue. Some of the other ones we've watched, where for me personally, I don't know that I'll watch them again until my kids want to see them. And then I think I'll probably really, really enjoy them because I'll be getting that experience vicariously through my kids seeing it for the first time. Yeah. I, I think that's what they need for me at this point because I've seen them either so many times or they're so strongly connected with this very specific feeling and time in my life that when I watch them now, they just, it's not that they don't do anything for me, but I'm just like, oh, because obviously, A, I know what's going to happen. I mean, I know the movie, Yeah, but they don't. I don't know. I just didn't feel really affected. It's, I didn't. I didn't. Almost a. It's almost going into some of the movies uh, like this at this level, and even Gremlins, which I had a different reaction than you did. But um, going into these types of movies, it's almost a negative neutral. So that's a great way of putting it. That's exactly it, what it is. It can only come out one of two ways. It can only come out either. Yeah, it falls in line with what you thought it would be, and there's nothing that blew you away, and it's going to be kind of a neutral reaction that there was nothing bad. You couldn't really fault it, but eh, it was all right. Or you rewatch it, and you think, oh, my God, this is way worse than I thought it would be. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I thought this was great, and what was I thinking? So it's it's almost a no-win with some of these, but then you get some like, you know, when we talked about RoboCop, that yep. was – we thought that was going to be meh. And then we watch it and we're like, whoa, what the hell? This was <laughs> yeah. actually great. And yeah. so most of these, I think, uh, the middle of the road, the, not the, the cheese fest, not the big blockbusters, but the ones like this, um, which still, this movie did fairly well. It did 25 million total gross. I mean, that's not terrible. Um, yeah, in the 80s dollars, I guess it wouldn't have been terrible. It was, right. it, it was not one of Spielberg's bigger successes. No, it, yeah. Like I said, it wasn't a blockbuster, but it didn't lose its shirts and it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't awful. It, it did five million opening weekend in nineteen eighties dollars. So um, it it wasn't horrible, but again, it was forgettable enough that we haven't talked about it in our 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 current culture or current movie going way. But you watch and you're like, mm, okay, that wasn't bad. I wouldn't buy it to add to my collection. Yeah, but I enjoyed watching it. So yeah, it, it's it's. Yes, and it's an enjoyable movie. I would recommend it to people if they've never seen it. I and especially eighties, eighties uh, movie or just general movie fanatics because it did have so many of those cameos oh, and people recognize yeah. yeah. and uh, uh, people connected with the movie and like yes. uh, Rob Bottin did the effects that kind of thing. So yes, uh, movie lovers, yes, to watch, but in general, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I think that's that's what it comes down to. Is like I don't. I'm noticing that there's a definite line when we do episodes for forgotten flicks. There's the movies that we've never seen the Miami connections. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I do want to mention our cheese ball double feature that's coming up, but the ones that we're going to do for that, for me that yeah. never seen them. And so I'm coming in cold, no expectation one way or the other, other than I've heard things. <laughs> and that is a fun experience, 
because then I could come in it from my perspective now. Yeah. Whereas movies like this, because they were a, a part of my childhood and I, and I have, it's almost like there's two different battling sides of me. There's the, the side of me is that that 12 year old kid or that 10 year old kid who grew up with this movie and had no real sense of, you know, film criticism or any of that other crap yeah. and just enjoyed a movie for its own sake. But then there's that part of me that's seen so many movies and knows so much about them that he's a little bit more jaded and going to be a little bit less tolerant of certain things. And he takes the step in. And so they, they, they kind of, they get basically, it's like that older version of me and that younger version of me. It's like, they strip down to their underwear. They, they get in a big pool, a waiting pool of jello. And then it gets really awkward. <laughs> Cinematic jello, mind you. Right. That's right. Just metaphorically speaking, metaphorically let's... speaking. And they, and they, and they wrestle around in, 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 you know, until the first thing pops up and then it's all downhill from there. But yeah, that this movie falls into that camp for me of, it's not a bad yeah. movie. I didn't yeah. dislike it, but I didn't really feel that now adding the caveat that maybe if I had watched this at like noon, <coughs> excuse me, on like a Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been a totally, I'd be like, Oh man. Cause like, for instance, rad. Here's an example. Now, Rad was radically awful, which made it fun. But I remember seeing it as a kid. And I watched that one. I remember I was like folding laundry. It was like a Saturday afternoon. And I just remember the whole time thinking, oh, I cannot wait to talk to grooms about this. I cannot. This is going to be the whole time. I was just, and it's almost like that's what I have to have as a reaction. Like it has to be one of those. It's not just <clears throat> that I enjoy the movie per se. I mean, that's the Robocops, the blobs, the black Christmases where I actually like, I loved the movie and that's enough in and of itself. And then I get to talk to you about it. Cause, but it's, yeah. if it's not going to be a movie that is going to completely blow my mind, then it's just going to be, have stuff going on that I'm like, Oh God, this has got so oh. much potential. So yeah. So that's the neutral category. The yeah. kind of in the middle. Yeah. So is this, does this fall into the range of like no escape where, yeah, yeah, it wasn't ridiculously awful that it was fun and enjoyable yeah. and cheeseball, but it yeah. wasn't also surprisingly great. Yeah, that it was just kind of that middle of the yeah, yeah like the didn't suck, and, you know, but it gonna, wasn't. And we're gonna yeah. have those from time to time. It's gonna, I mean, it's funny because we actually pulled "Hand the Rocks a Cradle" to do this one, which might have, <laughs> might I point out Rebecca De Mornay, and uh, uh, maybe we just have to put yeah. it back on just for that. Anyway, um, <laughs> just just for her. yeah, well, we do have risky business that so we could eventually do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we needed that one. Uh, so, uh, but that that was the reason why I, after we talked about it, I was like, that's probably what that movie would have been, too, to some degree of, uh, yeah, it's, you know, mainstream, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's all right. I think so. I, I, I'd i have to watch it again, but it was one that Although even seen, when I watched it. I seem it, to recall it does have Ernie Hudson playing a special needs handyman. So, <laughs> despite that we might end up with more one-star reviews, that could have been funny. Was it Ernie Hudson played the mm -hmm. character or was it? No, um... it was Ernie Hudson. Really? Yep. Wow. Cause I remember that. I, I haven't watched it in so, oh, so oh. long. Be I... careful what you say next. Cause I may have to call up Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Lawrence Fishburne. I didn't totally, Whoa. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> and for those of you out there who know what we're talking about, good on you. <laughs> so, no, yeah. I, I, I don't remember who it was, but I didn't remember it being Ernie Hudson. Yes, I just is. remember the character of the helper guy around yes, the house yes. that she frames and, yes. um, but yeah. 
So I, we may have to still do that one. But yeah, it, it falls definitely in that lukewarm category. Yeah. And, for- and so can I be honest with you? My, my rating was a three because I don't, yeah. fe- I don't feel like it's a movie. It's a movie. What I would have done is I would have gotten it watched it like if it was a kid i would have kept it out the full time for sure and watched it a couple times now i would have gotten it probably brought it home had dinner mm-hmm. looked at him and like ah. <laughs> i think there's a couple of my show i think there's a new episode of justified or walking dead on <laughs> i'm gonna watch that tonight tomorrow i'm gonna watch this and then i would have watched it and then i've been like i could take it back tonight but eh, it's due tomorrow ah screw it i'll take it back tomorrow and then okay, I would have so forgotten here's... and it would have sat in my car melting, <laughs> the VHS tape melting. And then I would have remembered it at the On last second. And, yeah, yeah. I would have dropped it in the box at like the, uh, like literally oh. like 10, 1159 and gotten it in the window. <laughs> so this was better than uh, Dennis Quaid's portrayal of Lar in Caveman. Uh, by a smidge. <laughs> but um, so the, here's the question I wanted to ask you because I didn't want to go through the Martin Short films, but Dennis Quaid. He's kind of one of those odd actors that is come and go as the star or the primary, um, uh, not the Randy Quaid quirky that we've talked I about. I think of him in like the Michael movies. Keaton camp, like or Kurt Russell, yes. like he could be an action star, but he could do comedy or he could be comedy. So here, here's the question I had for you as I was watching this thinking, what is your favorite Dennis Quaid movie? Oh, good question. You know, I haven't seen a long time that I really, really liked. It's not that old. Your frequency. Oh, vaguely. The one with Jim Caviezel and he played, it was one of Jim Caviezel's earlier pictures and he plays the guy who's like at the old radio and he starts doing it and basically it's his father and they're like talking across time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember really liking that movie, but I, again, it's one of those that has been so long since I saw it when it came out. And, uh, but as far as classic Quaid, let me think. So it's sad as had we not done that. Probably like, oh, interspace, of course. <laughs> uh, you know what? Hold on. I'm just going to have to cheat because I. it's like I know he's got a hell of a. He's got quite the resume. Imdaba profile yeah, here. So uh, as you're looking it up, I already written. I had already written down the two that I liked the most. And so one was Enemy Mine. Oh, Enemy Mine. Yep. 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 Yes. Which is uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Theater, yeah. Yep. Um, I remember really now. To be fair, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I really, really remember watching, uh, liking it when I watched it before. Um, and, you know, I, I know people hate on this movie. I actually really like The Day After Tomorrow. The one where the world goes into the deep freeze. Speak, talk and about great science. And it's Jake, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Jake Gyllenhaal I, plays yeah, the I've, kid. I've never, and, I've never seen it. Really? It yeah, because you know awful. what, dude? Here's the reason why. The Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin movies, ever since Stargate and Independence Day, I actually like both of those movies, but I remember yeah. even from an early age thinking both these movies could deal with about 30 minutes being cut out of them. They don't know how to make a friggin' movie. Seriously. Like, it, and, and even as a kid, I could have told you like a 20 year old kid with Independence Day, I could have said, all right, cut this scene. Uh huh. Yeah. Cut this scene. And I would have, you know, and I was no professional editor and I could have easily cut 30 minutes out of that friggin' movie. Same with Stargate. Stargate was too damn long. And there's something about their movies that just, they do that. It's like, they're just about great. And if they would just let their editor do their damn job, they would be fantastic. But that's, so as a result, and like, was it, yeah, 2012 and yeah, Day After Tomorrow? Well, 2012 I didn't like as much. 10,000 B, did they do 10,000 BC? Oh, I hope not. Cause that movie was awful. Oh, <laughs> they may 10, have. He was, I, my favorite I Dennis Quaid movie. Good to say. 
about that movie. My favorite Dennis Quaid movie, Jaws, yeah. 3, Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D. <laughs> and he plays bro. <laughs> he, he plays and he's a- at SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was awful. That was that was awful. So, all right, I'm I'm putting that on the record. Your favorite? No, Dennis I'm just kidding. Was um, 3D. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> so you know what's funny? All of his like later stuff, none of it does anything for me. Yeah. Frequency, I liked. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> Nothing's yeah. really. Now, you, huh? now here again, this is C and D talking because I'm sure it does not hold up at all. Dreamscape, I remember really liking that movie. Uh, Dreamscape, yep, I remember that one. And it, actually, well, I, he did he did Great Balls of Fire. He was Jerry Lee yeah, Lewis. Yeah, I like that movie a lot too. I, I always yeah. I always like a good biopic, like La Bamba. I freaking watched La Bamba like 80 times. I don't know. Oh so, uh, yeah, certain yeah. movies like that, I just like get I, as a kid, especially for some reason, I would get hung up on. I love biopics, so yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Great Balls of Fire was great. Uh, Dreamscape, Enemy Mine. Uh, some of these, some of these, I was always very aware, of, but I never saw. Them. Like I never saw Suspect or DOA, but and I think I would, and I wouldn't have liked them as a kid anyway because they were just over my head. And I know DOA is a remake, but yeah. I want to uh, or the Big Easy. I wouldn't mind watching them now as an adult since they're actually meant to be adult movies. And one of my great shames, and I'm going to have to rectify this, I know, is the right stuff. I've never seen it. I've seen it a couple times, but it's been many, many, many years. <laughs> would it be? Just... Would it be Forgotten Flicks fodder? Uh, or is it too dense? Like it seems it's like it'd be such too a heavy. Giant movie. I yeah. mean, it's got some of the biggest names in Hollywood, at least for the thirty years that yeah. they're you know, around it. But um, I don't know. I, I would say no in See, general. I think Dreamscape or Enemy Mind would be good for Godflex movies. Yes, but. yeah, they would probably be more in the in the vein than uh, uh, right stuff, See, which again, is right stuff. Like the awards prob- and yeah, you know, so. It, it, that's a harder one to justify, but enemy mine, I would say yes. Um, yes. The right stuff has one, two, three, four Oscars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As soon as we start talking about Oscars, we're like, yeah, that's, Pope, that's not us. Yeah. yeah. So I would say um, enemy mine. If I have to pick my favorite Dennis Quaid, that'd be enemy mine. Enemy mine. All right. Yep. All right. I'm going to have to add that to the list at some point. Cause I would say that's a forgotten flick. So, mm-hmm. and we've talked about doing it in the past too. So yeah, yeah, we have. Well, on that note, would you like to go into our movie picks? Oh my gosh, I can't wait for this one. All right, Jason, what is your movie pick? Uh, I have to go first. You betcha. All right, well, we we actually chose the same year, so I'm hoping we don't choose the same movie. <laughs> All right, which... Jason goes, so what's your year? Because this is what we do, in case you don't know. It, we So we, we like to surprise each other. So yeah, we, don't, we don't talk about our picks. No, nope. we actually, before we get on We've got air, really we good about, about that, movie. actually. We don't even, like, yeah. tease each other about it anymore. Yeah, nope. so, so we always say, so what's your year? And he'll tell me, and usually we're way, like, you know, decades apart. And then, right. and then but today, he goes, I go, 1990. He goes, oh, that's and then I say, okay, next year. year, what's your genre? And as soon as he says, like, okay, we're good. All right. So I've actually picked this movie only once before. Um, I have talked about it before and I have pimped it out uh, to the nth degree. But this is a Meg Ryan connection mm. because in the 80s, I had a huge crush on Meg Ryan. And She's I, cutie. yeah, she was hot in inner space. I never the, found her hot. I've always really? said, she's, I think she's a, like a dorkable, but I don't think she's hot. Oh, I had a crush on her or something fierce. Really? And, uh, yeah, I think she's adorable, but it's like she's almost no. like too cute. No, no. 
no, she was she was hot. It's a personal and, thing. Uh, it's a personal problem. <laughs> it is whatever. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite movies of all time, um, not for was it a critic's favorite? Not was it the best written? I know just, what it is. Just from the fact that it was enjoyable, and I like sitting down and watching it. I can laugh. I can be entertained, and it has in enough in it that for the entire duration of the movie i will sit and just zone out and watch it it's go ahead joe versus the volcano it is <laughs> it is 1990 joe versus the volcano it's the first time that tom hanks and meg ryan were in a movie together of course they went on to sleepless in seattle and uh, a couple of other rom-coms actually sleepless in seattle and what's the other one uh, um, you've got mail You've got mail. That's the other, which was the AOL sponsored movie, I guess. But um, Tom Hanks plays Joe, Joe Banks, and he is a guy who's diagnosed with some terminal disease, and he decides that he's going to make something of his miserable, deplorable life by jumping into a volcano and uh, helping out this little island. Meg Ryan actually plays three different characters in this movie. And so she's like the Eddie Murphy of the movie. She's she sort of is. She plays um, this girl at his office in the beginning who's this kind of frumpy, weird, uh, uptight introvert. And then she also plays sisters, twin sisters, who are the daughters of this mogul who is paying Joe Banks to go uh, um, jump into the volcano, played by Lloyd Bridges, who is a you know a, a Hollywood legend. Um, but it's it's really it's quirky. But it's not cheeseball terrible. Yeah. It's just quirky and different. And it was directed by uh, John Patrick Shanley, which, you know, he's done anything major, you know, Moonstruck, Congo. Oh, I mean, Moonstruck, we won Academy Awards, right? Yeah. yeah so, um, but not a lot that, I mean, Moonstruck is definitely big, but he did Congo, which was the, um, um, the adaptation of, it's the same guy, Michael Crichton. Uh, Michael Crichton novel uh, adaptation. Mm -hmm. of it. You know, so still did some really decent things, but I love this movie. He wrote and directed it and it's, it's fun and funny and cute and sweet. And uh, the whole idea of Joe Banks kind of discovering himself um, throughout is, I guess the part that I love the best because he really is this uh, hypochondriac who his life is terrible in his eyes. But then when he realizes he's not actually dying, <laughs> He starts to get sick again, and then they they realize, hey, it's oh, all. It's been a, don't give it away, because here's yeah. the thing: I've never seen it. Um, but it's it's just a cute movie, and so you can probably find it. On, uh, my guess is you can I, buy I it. I just on checked; it's available. I, I'm pretty sure is Amazon at least it should be rental because it at least came up in their little search into their uh, yeah. little icon thing in there. And assuming it is, because as we've recently found, there's at least three movies that <laughs> I had on our list to do this next quarter that aren't available anywhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cripe's sake, and I'm not paying 20, 30 bucks for a damn VHS copy. Eat me. <laughs> no. Um, but there's some other big names. I mean, Dan Hedaya's in it, and uh, A. Bagoda plays the um, the chief of this South you know what? Pacific you village. Ha you had me at A. Bagoda. Say no more. <laughs> it was, it's hilarious. Ozzy Davis is in it. So oh, wow. it's, it's cute and it's cool. Um, it, it's just one of my favorite movies. So okay. anyway. Meg Ryan, I had to add it's on, her. So. It's on the list. It's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> so, all right. So, 1990, we're, we're hitting the year up. What? Uh, the year, what? the year that I graduated junior high, middle school, 1990. 
All right. I went from eighth grade. It was my the end of my eighth grade year. That was, that was sort of like I would say my 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 horror awakening because that was the Halloween. Come kind of my like last Halloween trick or treating, but it's also the Halloween I believe I saw Pumpkinhead and Evil Dead Two in a triple horror feature on HBO. <laughs> I would love to find out what the third movie was. I, I don't remember. I'll take it. I remember it was Evil Dead Two, Pumpkinhead, and something else. But anyway, <clears throat> the Willies. The Willies from nineteen ninety, starring Sean Astin. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I found a forgotten flick, my friend. Was that kind of like a, was that, I'm not looking it up. Uh-huh. The only sense memory I had was Sean Astin and like camping. Yep. Was that it? Yep. It's an anthology uh, horror movie. It's a PG-13 anthology horror movie. And I love me a good anthology horror movie. So I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, this is this is not a spooky flicks fest worthy entry, but this may be a, we got to do it just because some of the comments... <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, we got to do this one." Uh, here is here is the uh, Imdba breakdown: Two brothers camping with their cousin try to frighten each other by telling stories. There are two main narrations: one involves strange happenings at an elementary school; the other, a teenage boy with a peculiar interest. <laughs> boy, yeah, I can't imagine what that would be. Oh, and apparently, trivia note, the popular Garbage Pail Kids stickers of the 1980s are seen in the bathroom scene of the elementary school. So it's got, it even has Garbage Pail Kids in it. Wow. The, the, wait, the, the tagline, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll puke, you'll die. It sounds like a bad Shel Sol- Silverstein poem. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll puke, you'll die. Wait, catch a tingling, terrifying, terminal case of dot, dot, dot. The no. Willies. <laughs> That's fantastic. So yes, nice. it is a horror anthology film from 1990. I have not seen it. I am familiar with it. The video box in the uh, on the Imdba page does not look familiar, but I think there's a different one. One of the posters that I, I recognize from back in the day in the video store. For some reason, I never saw it. I don't really know why. Probably because it was a PG-13 horror movie, and by that point, I was like, oh no, man. Only R-rated movies for me. So that I can go home and cry to my mommy about it and tell her to confess because I'm a wuss. <laughs> And get so, my dad in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> and then feel bad about that and like double up on the guilt. What the hell's wrong with me? So, so what's the connection to inner space? Oh, oh it had to be a connection? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to come up with a movie that yeah. is not. I just happened to come across connection. this movie that has nothing to, uh, I believe, is it, uh, yes, Kathleen Freeman, the, the, the red-haired lady in line. Oh, right. The, she, the one that he, uh, Putter had the dream yes, about. yes. And then she actually showed she up. She plays, yep. shit you not, Miss Tit, <laughs> Miss Titmarch in the Willies. Miss Miss Titmarch. T-I-T-M-A-R-C. I'm going to go out on a way long limb here and assume she is something to do with the elementary school teacher. I uh, know. <laughs> in, the, in the elementary school Dude, portion. Bill Irwin is in it. Remember the old guy in, um, oh, what did we just see that he was in? Oh, crap. Oh man, it was recent, recent, recent. Seeing the the Santa Claus. Yes, because he was on the plane. Oh no! Um 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 no! It was before that. Um, was it a thing? It was a plane, trains, and automobiles. Plane, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. James yep. James Karen, who was in uh, the uh, Return of the Living Dead. Actually, the Willies was directed. The only director, uh, the, the guy who wrote and directed it, Brian Peck. It's his only <laughs> movie he's ever written and directed. He was actually more an actor, and he was in Return of the Living Dead, the one from '85. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I said it's got Sean Astin in it, so I'm thinking this. Really? 
This if we can <laughs> if we can find a copy of it. Let me add that caveat. <laughs> well, it's Sean Astin. He's Clue pretty Gull- big now. Clue Gulliger's in it. Wow. Mm. Impressive. Yeah, like I said, the only thing I remember is Sean Astin camping. So <laughs> mm-hmm. we might have to add this to the list as well. Okay, wait for it. Wait for it. At the very bottom, I'm not. This is not a joke, people. This is not a drill. This is for real. Kirk Cameron playing Mike Seaver. Oh, Tracy Gold, as in the woman who played his sister on the Grung Grung Carol playing Carol Seaver. <laughs> wow! And Chelsea Noble, who in real life is Kirk Cameron's wife, and like was on the Growing Pain show. Plays. Oh yeah, eight. wasn't she his? She his girlfriend in the show. Yeah, yeah, in the show, and they ended up getting married because she's a model. Uh, I got yeah, you. and uh, she plays the anchor woman. Wow! This, this thing just oh, shot God. up like a gajillion percent in its potential for a uh, forgotten books <laughs> episode. No, wait. Okay, wait. I make note of this. I may. I may. I may. When we get to this one, I may have to play this one again. Dude, let's just do it. You want this to be our next movie? I am serious as a heart attack. I'm being impulsive. I really want to, I really, because I think this has so much potential. <laughs> I have a feeling I'll be playing that, but just in you case. will. So say it out loud. You want to do the willies? I want to do the willies. I want to get the willies. <laughs> you want the willies. I want the willies. The wet willies, preferably. <laughs> All right. So you want to uh, throw a little knowledge their way so we can wrap this bad boy up and send yes. you on your merry way, you <laughs> wonderful bastard, you. <laughs> check us out at forgottenflix.com that's flicks with an x we've got lots of cool stuff there mostly the podcast episodes and peter's movie reviews but we've got also um some old stuff on there you can dig up but um you can join the shenanigans at facebook we are on forgotten flicks on the facebook page you can catch all of the trailers and the actual audio of our podcast but then you can join the facebook group we talk about lots of other movies um Particularly, we kind of focus on the 80s and 90s, but we go all kinds of movie crazy. Um, and then you can uh, check us out on Twitter uh, as well. As we we have to do all this social media Whatever. stuff. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much, my friend. As per usual, another one in the can or the crapper, depending on one's point of view. <laughs> Yes. And, uh, of course, uh, thank you to JV for the spoiler. And I always want to throw that out there because he is nice yes. enough to uh, let us continue to use that. And don't worry, JV, someday down in the not so distant future, we will do Mannequin as per. We will. Oh, yes. I know you got your hopes it's up. It's part on of that. my contract. It's know, part of my contract know, for doing this show. I know. Me we too. We have to cover Mannequin. Our contract with JV. I know. No, no. My contract with you. Well, my contract was I with JV. My contract with JV, I thought was what? I'm confused. I had a mannequin when I was a teenage. Whoa, whoa. A peculiar interest indeed. And thank you to Kevin Spencer for the awesome artwork that I repurpose on a regular basis. (laughs) And (laughs) thank you to you all for listening. Jason, do you have any final words? Would I be in a doctor's office if I was feeling all right? Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, Rusty. Really, you're right. But at least when my moment of truth came, I didn't take a dump down the leg of my flight suit.